New standards for long-term care homes are being rolled out across Canada in an attempt to avoid a repeat of the tragedies that unfolded during the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic. The nonprofit group Health Standards Organization has created a set of voluntary guidelines which were released just a few days ago on Tuesday. Here to talk about it, particularly from a BC perspective, is the CEO of the BC Care Providers Association. Always a pleasure to say good morning and welcome. Welcome back to Terry Lake. Hello, Terry. Good morning, Sterling. Good to have you with us. What, first of all, just in terms of a general look at the package, what did you make of the new guidelines recommended by this uh, organization on Tuesday? Well, I think uh, two things stand out. Number one, uh, importantly, uh, the report looks at the workplace uh, as well as the home. So uh, recognizing that this is, uh, you know, a place that people call home, the residents who live in long-term care, but it's also a workplace. And importantly, we need to make sure that the workforce is uh, is looked after in terms of uh, being uh, rewarded financially for being uh, at work, for staying healthy, uh, making sure that they are able to look after our most vulnerable British Columbians. So that's really the first time we've seen that. And uh, after going through covid and the impact it had on long-term care homes. I think everyone recognizes uh, what a debt of gratitude we have for those folks who stayed uh, and worked uh, on the front lines of long-term care, because without them, it would have been just a tragedy. Absolutely. And of course, we we had to make some modifications in those early days, Terry. And I can recall conversations you and I had about, for example, restricting the activities of staff members to one facility alone, because it used to be, it wouldn't be terribly uncommon for have someone to work a, a couple of days a week at this home and a couple more days a week at that place, and that was discontinued and and a lot more focus brought to bear on the workplace, which is the other half of the equation of long-term care. Somebody's doing the caring, right? Absolutely, and the single-site order, as you described it, Sterling, was uh, meant to prevent the virus from being carried from one home to another. Sure, yeah. uh, And uh, so that, that has expired now, so uh, people are able to work at more than one care home, and lots of people like to do that, actually. It, it fits their schedule, and it's an important way of having a casual pool of employees, uh, because without that casual pool, you can't fill in when people are sick. So, um, you know, we are in a much better place. We've got more people being trained as care aides. Uh, we have more nursing training spaces opening up around the province. Uh, but I think we all recognize we have to make sure that we address the the real crisis we had in staffing and make sure we've got a, a workplace where people uh, want to come uh, and work in long-term care and that they're well looked after. So well, I think we're getting there. Yeah, there's, there's, there's again, there's a question of, uh, and, and you're, you, you put it well, people want to come to work in a long-term care facility. There's dignity in that work. It's not a job you, you had to take because you couldn't get through nursing school or some, you know, slough it off kind of, oh, what are you doing doing that kind of work? It's, it's a noble cause and it's, it's a credible career. It certainly is. And, you know, we uh, participate in some training programs. And when I talk to the students who come through those programs, uh, you know, they've had a taste of, in their practicums of working in long-term care homes. And you can see that they're, they're really happy and proud that they can make a real difference in people's lives. And uh, when we recognize uh, frontline workers at the BC Care Awards uh, at the end of uh, February in Victoria, we'll hear all kinds of stories about the dedication, the passion that people have uh, for working in long-term care. And uh, it really is, it tugs at your heartstrings when when you realize that 
you know, the residents are treated like family and uh, and the, the people who do this work are, are really special and they they get a lot out of the job. And so, um, it, you know, it is really a good career, I think, for people thinking about health. But because of ageism, people tended to shy away from seniors care. And uh, we've got to turn that around because it is a really rewarding uh, career, a profession where you can make a real difference in people's lives. So, and when, of course, you know, th- this is all colored by the fact that we saw it, it, it during the pandemic uh, situations in which the military had to be called in to literally rescue seniors in understaffed uh, substandard care homes in other provinces. But nonetheless, these linger, you can't unsee those images, Terry. So uh, back to the guidelines and the uh, these uh, standards. Uh, standards only work if there are some teeth attached. In other words, you adhere to the standards or there are consequences. What's the status of that in terms of, okay, here's the deal and it's going to be this way or uh, not for you in business henceforth. We don't see that aspect, the teeth part of it. Is it coming? Well, that's a good question. I mean, this, um, you know, care homes are highly regulated in British Columbia and almost all care home operators are accredited by Accreditation Canada or CARF Canada. Uh, so they live up to many, many of these standards uh, that we saw unveiled this week. But unfortunately, some of the buildings uh, simply don't make the cut because they're older, particularly the, the health authority owned and operated sites. I have four person rooms still. Mm-hmm. You know, they were built 40 or 50 years ago. Sure. So we, we need to invest a lot in new infrastructure, Sterling, in order to um, to reach these guidelines. But in terms of making them mandatory, I guess there's two ways you could you could help people. You can use a carrot or you can use a stick. Uh, the federal government doesn't have a stick because uh, long-term care is not covered under the Canada Health Act. And so really it's it's the province's responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, but they can offer a carrot, and that's through funding to the provinces, perhaps through the Canada Health Transfer discussion, that is aimed at uh, and making sure that the care home operators move towards these standard over a period of time. So it'll be interesting to see this week as the premiers meet around the Canada Health Transfer if long-term care dollars are attached to those discussions. Well, it's interesting you would say that because that's exactly what I was about to ask you. You're a former politician, so you get what goes on behind closed doors in those negotiating sessions between political leaders of varying philosophies and so on. And there is there's an enormous political pressure, or public pressure brought about by the pandemic. It's part of the discussion. Do you think it's going to be a big, obviously funding is what this is all about. The bottom line is money. But are they going to separate it out into in money silos and will there be one for long-term care do you think terry i think so um i think long-term care primary care and data uh management will all be uh sort of specified in this new agreement and i think people realize sterling that unless you fix long-term care the rest of the system uh simply will suffer we've seen that already we have far too many people that are in acute care hospitals when they really should be appropriately cared for uh, in a long-term care home. Correct. And, you know, they are not getting the treatment they deserve or need, and they're also um, taking a bed that could be better used for someone that needs to be coming out of surgery or coming out of the emergency Mm -hmm. room. So it's all tied together, so I think there's a huge recognition of that, and so long-term care uh, is going to be a focus in these discussions. Final question to you. You talked about investment in infrastructure. Should the investment come from the private sector, from care home companies, or should the uh, should the taxpayer be involved in creating new uh, facilities? 
Well, 90% of uh, long-term care is supported by the taxpayer in the province of British Columbia. It's income-based, and so, you know, if you don't uh, earn much money, you don't pay much for your care, whereas if you, uh, you know, have uh, an income, you pay up to about $3,800 a month. Right. Um, but so without the government investing, there's no one that will be able to operate or build these care homes. So typically what we've done in the past, and BC has done this better than any other province in terms of building new care homes, is issue a, a, requ- a request for proposals. And then companies will bid on that and, and structure it so that, you know, over 30 years, they're able to pay off the mortgage mm-hmm. and, and provide the care. So that, that model has worked quite well. Uh, we'll see if that's used, but uh, so far to date, we haven't seen a huge commitment for plans to build new care homes. Uh, we, we will see some replacement of older um, health authority-owned and operated sites, but I think there's only about 1,500 new uh, uh, spaces that are in the plan at the moment, and that's simply not going to meet the demands of an aging population that we have here in B.C., where over 80 is the fastest-growing part of it. Yeah, that, that's important stuff, too. Terry, thanks for this this morning. We do appreciate your time, as always. And we'll keep a, a sharp watch, as I know you will, on the uh, the goings-on in Ottawa over the next few days, and perhaps I have a chat about it in a week or two. Thanks, Sterling. Have a great Sunday.